another installment of the Man Cave Huddle, where we talk about lifestyle, entertainment, and sports. One less is more, and I'm your host, Greg. Now, before I start with this episode, I want to talk about two things. One, if you hear a buzzing sound or fan sound through the device or however you're receiving the podcast, and as I always do, I thank you for listening to the podcast. It's not your device. I'm actually in a room with a fan, so it's the fan. So you good. Second, I have a little bit of nasal congestion. How do you get that in the summertime? I don't know, but I do. So if I sound a little nasally, once again, it's not your device. I'm a little congested. Now let's get down to business. In today's episode, I want to talk about the World Cup semifinals. I was asked the question, Greg, what is the NBA Summer League and why does it exist? So we're going to get into that. And the San Antonio Spurs, what is going on, man? Let's start with the World Cup. The final four participants in this year's semifinal installment of the World Cup. France versus Belgium will be the first match. And the second match will be Croatia and England. Let's talk about the French and the Belgians. Now look, France traditionally have been a good team. They haven't been on the big stage like this in a while via the national team. But I will say this about France, watching them in this tournament. They are young and they are fast. And they're led by number 10, Kylian Mbappe. He's a forward He's only 19 years old, okay? Let me say that again. 19 years old, and this guy is a starting forward on a national team in the World Cup. And in five matches thus far, he's had three goals. So this guy is, the he's not the future. He is the future is now with this team. Now, in this World Cup, watching France play, um, discussing matches with my cousins, you know, they are so fast. These guys, they're like blurs running across the stream, the screen, because it's like if you off a rebound, an interception, or as soon as their feet touch the ball, it's almost like everybody hits that button and starts jetting to the other half of the pitch, because the counterattack and the speed in which they engage and counter-attack with. It's just so fast. And before you know it, they're past midfield. They're at your defense level. They're in the box. They're in front of the goalie and boom, in the back of the net. I mean, these guys, they, 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 their speed is definitely an issue. That's their biggest asset that they have, along with Mbappe. But one thing I wanted to mention about France is, you know, watching them play, they play finesse. They play with speed. But playing Argentina, they did show me something. They showed toughness. Because Argentina, they were a little rough with them. And initially, it got France a little flustered. Got them out of their game. Weren't able to play that nice little finesse, pat, pat, and go game. Guys are sitting there getting in their legs, really hitting them physically. But they absorbed it. Fighting back a little bit. Showed a little bit of toughness against Argentina. And you know, it's not a game of being physical in soccer. But it's more of a mindset like you can push us around. We're not going to accept it. And you're going to get what you're going to get. It's just a matter of time. Now, on the other side, let's talk about the Belgians. 
Now, the Belgians, they took out my beloved Brazilian squad. But in saying that, there was it was a beautiful match. It was a I don't know if there's ever a beautiful end to a season, but it was a beautiful end in that Belgium earned the victory. The match was played with class. It was played fair with fair play. And it was played with sportsmanship. And you're seeing that with Belgium, along with the other teams, but you really see that with Belgium. And they're not as young, but they are just as fast as France is. Okay? And they are led by number nine, Romelu Lukaku, a forward. He's 25 years old. And in four matches, he has four goals. One match he sat out because they were resting starters because they just didn't need to have him play because they already had their seating set for the knockout stage. Now, they, you know, when you talk about uh, sports similar to boxing, styles make fights. You want to see a great offensive juggernaut go against a great defensive juggernaut. You want to see somebody in a boxing match, can he handle the, the, the fast hands of some guy or another guy, he's more of a tactician in the ring. Or in, in basketball, you got a team that wants to shoot threes all day, but then you got another team who has two big studs down low. Can they get busy? See, there goes the congestion. But you see, with this team, they are both playing the same style. They are ultra quick with the counterattack. They are playing defensively, packing the box, and playing for the counterattack. Now, this seems as though it's going to be a match where with two teams playing the same style, who's going to execute better and who's going to make the first mistake? Because I think both teams know coming into this game, tactically, you could... You could line up your formation however you want. But at this point in the game, everybody knows what everybody's going to do. It's just all about how you get go about getting it done. Now, I, I, I talked about Mbappe on France, but Lukaku on Belgium. I've really got a good chance to look at this guy playing Brazil. I mean, this guy is a beast, man. 6'3". I mean, he's like LeBron running down the basketball court. This guy's 6'3", fast, excellent footwork. He's just navigating his, his way around all the defensemen. I mean, he has such soft feet when the ball touches his feet. And he knows how to put the ball in the back of the goal. Exceptional talent he is. So is Mbappe. But I like this guy in Belgium. And in saying that, I, that's that along with the fact that Belgium could score in bunches. I mean, they were playing Korea, and it was the second half. These guys were down 2-0. And all of a sudden, I checked my phone again. It's 3-2 oh, in extra time. So, I mean, look, these, these guys, they score, and they score in bunches, and they score fast. So, it's going to be the match of the – it's going to be the match you want to watch. Because in the second match from Croatia, England, look, to the Maserati and the Ferrari that France and Belgium are, not that there's nothing wrong because I have one myself, this is a match of two Honda Accords. And like I said, I have a Honda Accord, but 
It's not as exciting as a Maserati or a Lamborghini, right? I'd like to drive a Lamborghini or a Maserati, but I'm okay with my Honda. So with Croatia, England, I feel that's where we're getting. I mean, Croatia, they play gritty. They play tough. They keep coming. They have that, we know you're better than us, but we're not going to die, we're not going back down type of attitude. I mean, that game against Russia that they played, it was fantastic. I mean, back and forth, down to the last second, were PKs to decide to win. Wonderful match. England, good team. A lot of okay, but really good talent when they all play together. But tactically, England has an advantage. Because eight of England's 11 goals have come off of either free kicks, quarters, or penalties. So when it comes to a set-piece situation, England really knows how to take advantage. Now, let's talk about uh, this, this, uh, how they take advantage. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, when they score off of these set-pieces, they're deadly. Now, they've got eight of their 11 goals via these set pieces, which is astonishing because that's four more than any other team in the tournament currently, and it's the most since Portugal, who also scored eight in the entire World Cup in 1966, and England potentially has two more games to play. So that, 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 that's, that's something to say about England and how they play these set pieces. That might want to be something that we all pay attention to. Now, Croatia, they're a good team, but England, I think they're a little bit of a better team with a little bit more speed, and I wonder, as tough and as as gritty as Croatia is, can they keep up with England, their speed, and their counterattack for the entire 90 minutes of the match? I don't think that they can. So I think that the finals that we're going to have this year in the World Cup will be Belgium and England. In my next episode, I will preview the finals. But let's move on into the NBA and the Summer League. Now, I was asked, Greg, why does the Summer League exist? These guys get drafted a couple weeks ago, it feels like. Don't they have their preseason? Is it the preseason for you to get to know your team? So why can't the young players make their mark in the preseason? Well, I'll break it down like this. In the NBA Summer League, for all my neophytes, there are three leagues. Basically, all the teams in the NBA, they choose either to play in the Orlando, the Utah, or the Las Vegas League. And basically, it's about two weeks, similar to college. You're playing every day, and it's a tournament, and... You're playing for a title. It, it's it's. This is why the NBA Summer League exists. Okay? In my opinion. A, it allows teams to evaluate young players. Two, it provides an opportunity for undrafted free agents, meaning guys that didn't get drafted but still are good, guys that may have issues academically issues where they probably got kicked off the team or they were needed a couple years to mature. They're 19, 20 years old, 22 years old, still young enough and good enough to make a run at making the league. 
those guys. Or your boy that's really good and plays at the park every morning and says, I'm going to make the league, that guy. Or late second-round picks. And guys who might not have the chance to stick around with their team. Because what happens is a lot of guys that get drafted don't make it to summer camp. A lot of guys that get drafted in the second round are drafted because literally the team has to draft. So they'll just draft a player knowing they're going to cut him. So what the summer league does is it gives a chance for those players to stick around and maybe be picked up by another team by allowing them to show their skill set on a national level and maybe play their way onto an NBA roster, if not the one that they were drafted on. You know? I mean, it also, lastly, it gives fans an opportunity for a first look to look at the future, which creates hype for the franchise. Not everybody can be the Warriors and the Lakers where you're signing all these high-powered free agents. Some teams build through the draft. And you got to be excited about guys that are drafted and they're young and you just want to take a peek, you know? And you also want to see, can these young players play in the system because each team in the NBA has a different way of going about things. So it's not like college where it's like, we're just going to come down, we're just going to run a set, but this is what, no. We're going to come down, and we need you to be here, and this is what you need to do. Epi, that's it. And if you can't do it, you can come sit next to me, have some of this Gatorade, and I'll let you know where you go in in the next game. But one thing that I noticed, I watch a couple of these uh Summer League games. And like I said, you have a lot of these rookies that create hype within the franchise. But have you seen the Lakers summer team play yet? I mean, it almost feels like it's a regular season game. With all the excitement, the cheering, the oohs, the ahs. I mean, they're making it seem like a lot of these guys are going to be seen during the regular season. I mean, look. It's, a lot of these guys that are playing, they are not going to make the roster Laker fans. The only guys that I see that could be getting significant play time is guard Josh Hart and center Mort Wagner, the center, the rookie from Michigan. And I only like saying Wagner because he's German. Just like when you're watching the German national soccer team and you hear Mueller. So I like saying Mort Wagner. I think those are the only two guys that, that have significant playing that are going to play. I mean, you sign LeBron, Lance Stevenson, Ray John Rondo. Not to mention, you have Kyle Kuzma, Ingram. You re-sign Caldwell Pope. You have Rob D. They're all cheering for these rookies. Like, I can't wait to know. You're not going to see them in the regular season. Okay? Moving right along. San Antonio Spurs. My goodness, man. This franchise is synonymous to me in terms of stability with, like, the New England Patriots and the, I, w- I would also even say maybe, like, the Yankees, where it's just, like, they just get players to plug into their system, and the coaching makes it work. And never would you see one of the great players from the franchise leave and say peace and go to another team. But shockingly enough, Tony Parker Probably the best point guard that the franchise has ever had. I mean, granted, yes, he's past his prime. He's the grandpappy on the team. 
But instead of staying there and living and probably figuring I could go to the playoffs next year, he's agreed to a two-year deal for $10 million with the Charlotte Hornets. Now, I'm not saying the Charlotte Hornets, they're a terrible team. I mean, the East is so weak, you never know. The Hornets might make the playoffs next week, next year. But you know what this signing tells me? It tells me that Mr. LaFrancais, because he's from France, LaFrancais, Mr. Tony Parker, sees the writing on the wall and took the money and ran. What does he see on the wall? Kawhi Leonard. Who knows where he's going to be next year? Is he going to be on the Spurs or is he going to be traded? Kyle Anderson, small forward, another young player that was coming up in the system, drafted by the Spurs. The Spurs declined to match a four-year, $37 million offer sheet from the Memphis Grizzlies and said, yo, you could go, bruh. Who's left on the Spurs now? Rudy Gay? LaMarcus Aldridge? Ooh, yeah. I mean, for a team that every year you can plug in as the number one or two seed, I'm not used to seeing this team. And this franchise is so much chaos, but in Greg Popovich, I trust. I assume they have a plan, and you never know. They could trade Kawhi and get a boatload and be back in the playoffs next year. Who knows? But like I do with every episode, I'd like to thank you for listening and taking your time out. Whether you're brushing your teeth in the morning, whether you're cleaning in the gym, driving to work, however you receive it, thank you very much. And as I do with every episode, I want to end with a positive quote. Today's positive quote is, when you start seeing your self-worth, you'll find it harder to stay around people who don't. Let's see that again. When you start seeing your worth, you'll find it hard to stay around people who don't. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.